really do. You're a 21 year old punk fucking kid. This grandpa's given you everything all your fucking life. You've never had a car payment, a house payment. Everything you live in was given to you by grandpa. You fucking don't know what it's like to work for a fucking living like I do. To bust my fucking ass and do what I do. And you know what, Sean? You fucked me, and that's the way you got it. But you know what? Your grandpa's money will run out someday, and you'll have to feast for yourself. Get a fucking job, you piece of shit. Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchef from Cali Comfort Barbecue, and we are above the butcher shop on a very special Thanksgiving episode with my man uh, Derek Marceau from Valley Farm Market. Uh, it's game time, holiday week. Dude, it's no joke. We um, got all our turkeys in, all natural, free range, organics, everything. We're up to our necks in, in turkeys and got all the orders, our pumpkin pies, all... All of our Julian pies we got ordered. Um, we're we're doing it, man. It's we actually smoked some turkeys. So you half, smoked some turkeys. I thought half, you, you didn't turkeys. hear our, our second podcast. With I don't. Gene. I don't listen to myself. Sometimes. <laughs> um, Do you remember talking to Gene about fucking up Thanksgiving? Yeah, that's why Kelly I'm not. Comfort? I'm not doing it like that. We're not. We're not <laughs> sending them out hot. We're gonna smoke them. They're cold and they can warm them up. That's uh, uh, that's the only way we're doing it. But, so you you've utilized the wisdom of the fuck up. Yes, absolutely. So the, the, only, plan, the only the, bad the, mistake is a mistake you don't learn from, right? That's true. That's true. Um, that's insanity. Yeah. So we uh, we're just going through it. We have all our orders. Parking lot's going to be full today and tomorrow. So I apologize for the people that are coming in. Bear with us. We're going to um, work with it as as much as we can. But uh, come through, man. We got. Well, I know you're serious about that because I saw Randy Gill's smoker is no longer in the parking spaces and. For a man that spends his life parking cars, sometimes I don't even think I own a restaurant. I think I'm just, you know, I should start a valet service. Dude, um, it's it's a trip. Always trying to find parking. Four park parking Good spots. Good problems we, to have. You wouldn't think that it was. Uh, oh no, that that's valuable. Deal, it's huge. Well, it's valuable. It's huge. So yeah. valuable real estate. And you probably noticed that not one employee car is in our parking lot. Everyone's across the street. And there you go. That's a new employee policy that you had to add. Yeah. yeah. So uh, people don't get happy. Talked with to that. the gas station and they were not very excited, but I said. I'll uh, make you guys some food, and I said, "Okay." There you go. Yeah, it's Bri- amazing. Bribery. It's, it's amazing it's what crazy. a little oh, what a little barbecue and beer Dude. can do. Yeah, they're uh, they're cool with it. Though. They understand it's only two days. So, yeah. well, this is a business and marketing podcast. Everything we talk about is in the show notes. Um, Corey, the producer, works Thanks very to our hard. Lovely friend, Corey. Uh, making sure that that happens. So, anything we talk about, don't worry if you're driving. Um, focus on the road and. Uh, check out the show notes afterwards. All the links will be in there, all the social media handles. Uh, we do appreciate those that have interacted with us. Um, it makes us feel like we're not just talking to nobody. Uh, yeah. There, there are people around the world people that are listening. actually listening to this shit. Yeah. Um, that is uh, very humbling. Uh, we do have a social shout out for Austin, um, who was out in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, he reached out uh, on the DM, uh, let us know that he is very, very excited about listening to the podcast. He appreciates, uh, you know, the bullshit that's coming out of our mouths. I guess a little bit of the failures help him uh, feel better about. Well, it's cool. I mean, it's cool because that's pretty much what we were wanting to do is just give people a little bit of insight on what what goes on. And he's he's wanting to uh, change his, his life and start something and. You know, we, we were able to give him some advice, and we're still emailing with him all the time. So Yeah, he's uh, at 616BBQ and Fab. Uh, he fabricates his own smokers, and um, you know him and his wife, they've been smoking for 12 years, and they're you know fired up to you know start a catering business, and he just had questions, and you know he, he jumped off the cliff and gave me a call. And he it's was, a scary fucking cliff. Yeah. Well, that's our job. Our job is, you know, I, I thought that our job was to help push people off that entrepreneurial cliff. But I, I realized more and more our job is to yell at people from the top of the cliff because we're down there, you know, with our bumps and bruises and, well, yeah. you know, try to help people navigate the water below. But yeah, we, we, we're, we're encouraging people to get involved, to stay curious. Stay curious. And, and if you love it, go for it, man. Yeah. There's no better time than now. And one of the coolest parts about, you know, this podcast for us is just the amazing guests that we've been able to have on um, Derek and I are very humbled with uh, people willing to spend their time to come above the butcher shop and come into our little circle and give people advice on things that went well in their, in their career path and things that they fucked up on. Uh, It's, (laughs) I just pulled up the email. Um, Our guest today, chef Andres um, Inahosa, and that is, uh, not Hinojosa, 
for any of you gringos out there. Um, he is here with us. Uh, Dinner with a Chef is his business. Uh, him and I met back in 2013, uh, dining out San Diego. Josh, who does an incredible job with his uh, media magazine, uh, he put together this event up at uh, the Sheraton 2020 restaurant, got some pitmasters together, and uh, Gene and I and Tommy, my brother, we went up there and um, we went to Chef Andres's class, and he was eager, humble, um, excited, fired up. I mean, he was pretty much, he had our blood type. So, yeah, and that's good. Um, I think we were kind of talking about it earlier. It's, uh, it's rare sometimes that you get these chefs that are as uh, nice and open as Andres. So, Andres, thank you so much for coming out, man. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate welcome, it. welcome. Welcome to Behind the Smoke. So uh, give us a little bit of uh, your your backstory. Um, tell us about meeting Callie Comfort and Gene and myself and your first impressions back in 2013. Well, when I first met you guys, I was I was actually taken back by how humble Gene and you were. You guys were just trying to get something going. And I remember you guys coming into the kitchen in the hotel and you're like, oh, my gosh, look at this kitchen. It's you guys so- had a fucking it was a palace. It was like the Taj Mahal. It was, oh my it was God. big. And I'm looking at it was I'm a looking dream at you kitchen. Like, I'm looking at you like, um, really? You <laughs> you're like, really? There's this- a lot of stuff here. But um, <laughs> no, it was uh, my first impression. Of you guys were just it was you guys were so respectful coming into the kitchen and. And, you know, we had a lot of, you know, chefs and, and different uh, foodies, I guess you would say, coming through for that event. And um, it was just it was a really cool experience to see a lot of different styles. And, and you guys definitely brought barbecue was like you guys were you can tell were like pros. You weren't just some, you know, kind of random. Here's my steamed ribs and then finish them yeah. on the grill type of people. So. No, it was um you guys made a good impression on me and, and you guys were just so respectful coming in. So it was it was really an honor to uh to have met you and uh I wouldn't have known that our relationship would have grew to what it is today, um, from that day. But it was uh yeah, you guys were just re- too, you know, well, all three of you uh, the whole team was great. So you guys were all just really cool. So. Yeah, well I I think one of the things that, you know, we've learned along the way is there's so many people that you interact with in life and, you know, especially food related businesses when you're doing events. Um, it's hard, you know, they're high stress, high impact. I mean, the things that you have to do to prepare to put on an event, um, to make it successful, uh, to put your best foot forward, to put your brand's best foot forward. It's very difficult to interact with the other people, leaders that are putting those things on. But, if you take the time to make those connections, some of those connections become lifelong. And, you know, that's something that we've noticed in the barbecue world. Um, you know, pit masters are very willing to talk to each other. Um, they're willing to talk to other amateurs. They're willing to share knowledge and sharing knowledge and staying curious and staying humble. Those things are so interwoven into what we do because I don't know shit. You know, the more that we start podcasting, the more I realize, like, dude, I need to start studying more about digital marketing. I need to start studying more about public speaking, about communicating. I need to figure out broadcasting. I mean, there's so many things that we need to do better. And asking questions and learning from people is one of the things that drives Derek and I um, today. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you couldn't have said it any better. It's uh, it's humbling to to talk to people, you know, and get their perspective, and it's awesome that you know for me one of my biggest things is to try to get everyone to understand that it's not just about themselves and it's about the whole movement that we want to create and you know everyone can get better i can i can learn today i can learn i'm gonna i'm going to learn today as a matter of fact i'm going to learn tomorrow and if being open to that and being transparent with people is so important when people have these attitudes where it's just about them and they don't want to share anything. Well, you know, you're going to, you're going to get passed up at some point. Um, so creating this movement is, is what's so cool about what we do. Sure. And, and I'm just proud to, to be able to continue to do this and be on this journey. And I'm actually really fucking excited to talk today about, uh, some, turkey stuff oh god some turkey the, meals the turkey meals yeah thanksgiving i mean we're we're publishing this going to be coming out thanksgiving day a uh, special podcast for all of our listeners whether you're listening to it on thanksgiving day or over the weekend or whenever you're slow cooking we we can't thank you guys enough for tuning in and uh, engaging you know sending out tweets signing up for a twitter account if i've harassed you enough to sign up for a twitter account to be on linkedin 
Um, this is really, really special because, you know, we met Chef Andres at that event. And like we said, because of that connection, because of his willingness to take us behind the scenes, behind the smoke, show us around, talk to us about equipment, talk to us about staffing, talk to us about all the things that we're curious about, you know, because at a resort business, not only was that resort restaurant an operating restaurant, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but you were also feeding the hotel. You had um, service that you were providing, right? Uh, as well as there was another hotel. Was that correct? Yeah. Well, actually, when we had different, obviously, you have the banquet department. We had yep. the restaurant, in-room dining. We had our pool. Um, and then they were building a conjoining hotel that was across the way. And so we would do, um, they had some rooms that were open already, but we were doing mostly room service. But it was it was a busy kitchen to say, you know, uh, to say it the least way, but it was very busy. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that when you open up a business, a food service business, you start to realize that every single day is going to cost you money and you need to find ways to add revenue streams. And most of the time, those revenue streams are going to be in the form of in-house banquets. Um, in our case, we're a sports entertainment destination. We're going to find out Anything that we can put on the TV. I mean, just recently we had a WWE event that was fucking incredible. I mean, we just had such an incredible turnout um, because of our partnership and our digital marketing push. But you just don't ever want to discriminate on how you can make money and how you can utilize in-house banquets, off-site catering, events like this Grilling with the Masters series, um, and figure out ways to get your food out but also to utilize the labor that you have on staff, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that uh, one of the things that I think every entrepreneur should look at or every business owner should look at is when you're looking for different revenue streams, I mean, you're really just asking yourself, how can I add more value to people? Sure. Right? So How can you feel a need? How can you feel a need? Exactly. Yeah. So when you're talking about the WWE event, you know, you're just, you're just basically putting that out there to say, hey, come enjoy Kelly Comfort and what we have to offer sure. people watching an event that maybe somebody's not into football or somebody's not into another sport, but they're into wrestling. So yeah. it's just really adding value to people's lives and, and seeing what they want um, and then just delivering that. Sure. So talk to us about how long did you stay at Sheraton? I was there for about a year and a half. A year and a half. So, and then yeah. what did you do? And then I stepped out on my own. I why, jumped why off is the that? Clip. Why'd you jump off? The you know clip? what? I, I felt it. <laughs> In all honesty, you know, I felt God was putting it in my heart for, for a few years before that. And, um, and to be honest with you, it was, it was ridiculously horrible the way I did it. I mean, I had no plan, you know, I mean, <laughs> other than a scribble scratch plan that you have on the back of, you know, some old menu or something. Sure. But you had, um, that's the seed. That's, that's the, the, the seed. seed. The seed starts. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call it the seed. It sure. felt like a, it felt like a kind of moldy <laughs> seed, but it was a seed nonetheless. But no, when I, when I stepped out on my own, I just, uh, I started doing farmers markets, started, um, doing food at farmers markets, doing small catering events. And, and what did you do? Cause a lot of people have contacted us. They want to get their catering business off the ground. They want to participate in farmers markets. One of the things that the first thing we talk about is a temporary food facility permit which is the TFF, Correct. which is something that depending on where you're cooking food, I mean, every local jurisdiction has a health department. So going to your local health department and finding out what is required of you would be step one, right? Correct. Did you get the annual permit when you first? Yeah, we got there? the annual permit. And then when we, we stepped out, so you go through all the legalities of it, of course, by, you know, obviously business licenses in your city, but then also with the county food, you know, the, the health department. So we had our permit, um, you know, we bought our tent. There's a lot of kind of little ins and outs that you easy need to up? know. Like an easy up tent? Yeah, we had a... 10 like, by 10? Had a, well, if you're doing food, you have to have one that's fire, like fire retardant. So What else? We had, yeah. We there's, had other, there's one more important piece. Sidewalls. Sidewalls. Serving window. Sidewalls. We know we know too much about sidewalls. I wish I wish we didn't know so much about sidewalls and serving windows. I felt like they weren't. I felt like they weren't pushing that as much on us. But it was probably in the case of you know some of the smaller farmers markets. Yeah. Well, sometimes they don't. Yeah. Sometimes they don't. It just depends on enforcement. But you know, if you're if you're building out what we know today is a lot different than what we knew back in 2013, and putting on events and requiring other restaurants, vendors to participate in these events, the health department is giving us much more strict requirements, which is good in one way. Um, it's bad in the sense that it's more of imposing a fee 
as opposed to making it an educational process, which is mm. something that Derek and I value. And, you know, if they had as part of that fee, a required class or something where they put on so that they could help somebody get into a farmer's market or start a catering business, like explain to them what it is as opposed to just coming to the farmer's market and, you know, threatening, shutting down somebody's, you know, all the work that you put into prep for that market and, yeah. you know, get ready to sell stuff. So no, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would also, I mean, I'll, I'll add something that's a little off, off that, but, um, when you're, when you're doing farmer's markets, you have to really do and analyze what you're wanting to put out there, the product that you're doing, obviously, you know, uh, but one of the biggest things that I learned was it is very hard to be profitable per se doing just farmer's markets. I mean, it's possible, but it's, 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 it's hard. But I would say that it was a good marketing tool. It was a good way to get your name out there, your brand out there. Get for catering, you know, for catering. Yeah, you got to get your food in people's mouths. Yeah, that's somehow. it. You know, and so and you're looking at what you're, you know, and so people can see your differentiators, to see why you're different than somebody else. Um, and I think that was the biggest takeaway that I had for for me. I mean, there was days where you know, just being brutally honest, I'd. I felt like I lost money. Oh, absolutely. You know, just, By it far. Was, it was I mean, crazy. Fuck. It was yeah, crazy. Yeah, there were times where we went out and I, we we didn't sell over $100. But if you yeah. go into it with the mindset that you're trying to monetize on just the farmer's markets, you're probably going to lose. Yeah. Correct. So you got to think about bigger picture, right? Like what what's your end goal? That's when when you're setting up and you said you just scribbled shit on the on the menu. Well, after a while, I'm sure you started understanding there's a bigger picture here. So you might not have gained money it's your educational but, investment. Yeah, exactly. Like and you have to think of it like instead it of instead of paying college tuition, you're you're paying for that experience. You're paying for you're that not experience. Learn you're you're getting all that stuff, and then you're also marketing. I mean, that that's putting that food in someone's mouth. That like what Corbin did too, right? You know, he's out there, and then then he opens a, a brick and mortar afterwards. Um, so that you, if you're if you're small picture. And you're just thinking about, okay, I just want to make money and go to a farmer's markets. It's probably not going to happen. It's, 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 no. it's very, very hard to do that. Yeah. And, you know, but the end goal, if you want to, you know, go bigger and cater and do all that stuff, just know that it's just an investment you're making into your business. No, absolutely. I think that you hit it right on the head. I mean, I, I, I found that out obviously the hard way, but at the same time, you're completely right. I learned so much in the process of what I did and how to interact with people and how to promote, you know, your product, your brand, um, that it was, it became second nature. It was, it was a struggle. And so, you know, in, in a lot of people's minds, they don't know until they are out there doing it. Right. But I felt like in my path, when I stepped out and jumped off that cliff uh, it was rocky, obviously, you know, you're, 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 <laughs> sure. you're I'm still going, you didn't land into a butt of a no. bed of money. <laughs> no, I'm still going Duck through tails. Duck tails just <laughs> all the coins. I, uh, I'm still yeah, going through, like, you know, I still haven't found that bed of coins. Yeah. But I just think that throughout the whole process and to this day, I mean, every Avenue that you go into with your endeavor, you learn something at every corner and that is the real value into it. And it's the real value is really just knowing from doing, you know, yeah. so, I always tell people that can't buy if, experience. No, I mean, I always tell people that, you know, there's, if you don't do anything, there's a hundred percent chance that you're not going to accomplish anything. But the people that are out there actually pushing hard to do something and they step out, even if they're doing it 20% right, they're still 20% ahead of anybody who's not doing it. So it's really just a matter of, you know, um, getting out there, stepping out and then, not just figuring it out on your own, but at the same time, you know, you're going to learn from your mistakes and your experiences that who did you, you know, tell about your dream? Because we had a uh, Nicole Matthews, who's from the Henley company. She published a book called permission and she talks about authentic intention and talking about putting your dream out there, not just internalizing, you know, Hey, I want to do this. I want to make this, you know, a business, but actually verbalizing it to somebody else. Who, who did you tell? Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of a hard question. You know, it, it's, it's hard when you feel like you don't have maybe a group of mentors or people around you. But, um, in all honesty, when I started talking about it with my wife, she was really the deciding factor of saying, you know, um, giving me, if I felt like the support. And then as I spoke to her, she kind of 
it's almost like she kind of got on board with me and it kind of more expanded. The vision became bigger. Oh, totally. And then I started to, that's where I started to look at different resources and look at other people that uh, were in the industry. Um, my mentor, Chef Jason White in Chicago, you know, I kind of called him and told him what I was kind of getting into and as the business progressed. And, um, and he was just, you know, words of encouragement and, and, but at the same time, it felt good to kind of almost like you're saying, kind of release that dream and it makes it more real, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's why, um, just even getting together with a group or, you know, why masterminds are so great for a lot of big, you know, entrepreneurs is because you're able to share those visions and dreams with other people and refine them and re refine those thoughts, um, but it also re-inspires you to just keep going. You know, sure, yeah. well, I think that's the that's the big takeaway. I mean, you can't do anything alone, no matter. I actually personally hate. I absolutely hate the word self-made millionaire. I think oh, it's just yeah. it, to me, well, it's, it's just false. I mean, absolutely, you, know, you have to have a customer to buy your product in the first place. So how yeah. is that self-made? But nobody's doing it alone. There's yeah. nobody one person's ever done it. Uh, Sean and I so. are very, very fortunate. And, and I think now more than ever, and something that we just kind of came up on last week, um, we really, I think, kind of realized this week how fortunate we are to have the team we have around us. Um, we There's another endeavor that we might be doing, might not do it. We're, we're looking at something right now. And the people that we have that we surround ourselves around are phenomenal and the partnerships people like hate that word of a partnership and I, i'm personally not a huge fan of forced partnerships so you know for me coming into my grocery store the forced partnership was with my family you know and it, those are hard and i understand those <clears throat> but when you can figure out how to capitalize with people and and the right partners are phenomenal if you guys are like-minded and the growth is 10 times more, like we always say, I'm not going to be the best at everything. So if I can, we can strategically find people that work well with us, we can take this way bigger than we would have ever even thought. And like you said, you didn't even realize you might've been a little, you know, narrow minded on what you were doing until you talked to your wife, then it broadened it a little bit. Right. And then all of a sudden you talk to someone else, you're like, okay, I, I can actually do this. And it gives you steam and, and everyone feeds off each other. And it's a positive, positive partnership instead of those forced partnerships. Yeah. I think one of the best things in the world that we live in, you know, there's a lot of scrutiny because of the internet and the, you know, there's so much negativity, but you know, a lot of people feel like they don't have mentors. You know, I don't have somebody that I can lean on, but we live in a world where your mentors can be people like Gary Vaynerchuk and Tim Ferriss and these people that have podcasts, they're putting out content on YouTube. They're putting out content in their blogs. Like if there's somebody that's doing something that you love, you just need to search. Hey, Google, Hey Siri, Hey Alexa, you know, tell me more about, you know, somebody that's into digital marketing. Guess what? You know, you're going to get somebody that is showing you the passion, the drive, and they're niching it down to a point where it's on demand. You know, we're, we're so fortunate to be able to find the stuff that we love. And once you find somebody that's, you know, speaking your language, fuck, it's so much better. And it's not interrupted too. You know, you don't get this forced content that's interrupting your dream. You're like, you know, I don't want that shit. And, you know, that's one of the things Derek and I, we take very personally is like, we want to make sure that, you know, all of the people listening to this podcast, if they've subscribed and they listen every week, fuck, we're so grateful for them being on this journey. And we want them to share their journey with us. And we don't want to fucking interrupt that, you know, and for us to find people like you that are sharing their passion, that are sharing with their wife, their passion. I mean, that that's what Derek and I, I mean, if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be sitting here podcasting right now. You know, it, she like, has, she has to support my vision. Yeah. And she's a fucking rock star. Honestly, <laughs> she I, is I a mean, fucking rock star. I, I love Rosie. And you know, I'm the same way with my wife, you know, we're expecting our third child and she just fucking keeps grinding. She doesn't fucking stop. And, and you know, she's not feeling the best and, but she fucking holds it down and she buys into what we're doing. And it's just a positive, positive thing. Those are the, the partnerships that, you know, we can, we can couldn't do uh, what we do without them. No. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but Siri's trying to respond to my fucking question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Siri, you can just stop. We'll uh, we're gonna shut down Siri for now. Well, I'll take a I'll take this opportunity to have a shout out to my wife Danielle. She's uh, 
she is my true business partner. She's amazing. We have four beautiful daughters, and she's a stay-at-home four. mom. Yeah, wow. She's a stay-at-home mom, and she homeschools three of them. So she's good for you. She's crazy. Uh, she she always say that she works harder the than beautiful I. Beautiful crazy though, right? The bu- the amazingly crazy. Yeah, I we mean, say crazy. Beautiful. We say crazy a lot, and I realize that we don't clarify that it's with, it's with endearment. <laughs> it's with absolute endearment. No, endearment it's, it's honestly our circus is full of crazy. If you can have, we, I mean, we love our circus. <laughs> that's she. You know, she might not know it, but she has an entrepreneurial spirit right i mean she's she's taken the education in the girls' hands on her own and she's um you know just to just to have that is is amazing to allow me to be able to do over here what the vision for the family is and vision for my business so i mean really without her i wouldn't be able to do any of it so yeah. i mean realistically it's um no that's and i i completely man you guys you guys, we're we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> it's crazy. Blood I mean, that's type. all. You have the same blood type. Yeah, that's that's all I do. I mean, I don't even hardly listen to music anymore. It's literally audible. I'm I'm reading a book, you know, listening to a book or listening to a podcast, day in day out, reading something, you know, a physical book, and then listening to it, and just you you become consumed with learning and educating yourself. And like you said, in this, you know, in this modern day, you might not have a mentor who's kind of taking you under their wing and showing you the ropes but you have basically the best professionals and experts at your fingertips sure you know, crazy? Through, and it's, it's free it's insane and it's, it's fucking free. free i mean it's free. and even and in the paid ones they're like forget about it i mean yeah. they're so worth the investment it's just insane so no i, I we are on the same wavelength for that i, I mean, mean and I, who would have thought for me that i would have just been this huge advocate of education because for so long i mean i did whatever <laughs> i could to get out of school i mean i went fucking surfing every day i would fucking i would leave school i would never come my dude my teachers were like derek show up one day a week in high school and just be a presence in here and, and you're gonna give you an a and i'm like heck yeah you are you know what i mean so i didn't have to go to the classes all the time but now man it's like this this thirst for knowledge and i'm with you i don't listen to, to music we don't even have a cable at our house like the kids will watch their netflix we only let them watch a little bit of tv 30 minutes a day and um but everything is just like if i do have time to sit and watch something it better be a documentary i better be learning something or i better be laughing my ass off because other than that i, I don't have time to like watch a sitcom or you know it's just i don't i want to learn i want to learn what's going on i want to know um but that finger tip away stuff is just so enticing all the time sure i'm always, I'm always on it i'm always uh like i said listening I'm, I'm a huge fan of joe rogan i mean what he does and man it's uh it opens my mind all the time to to like man i never would have fucking thought about it that way ever and now you take a step back you start thinking like man that's it totally changes how you think it's awesome. No, it's uh, it's it's fantastic. I think that I'm enjoying the journey more than I am whatever the end result will be. That, you that's get to, you that's get the to, essence. That like, is that's the essence. When you when you remove yourself from I'm selling a product, I'm selling a service, and you get to the why, like the why and the essence of why you do what you do and why you love like what wait why do you wake up in the morning? Why the fuck are you fired up? Like. I'm so fired up to come and talk to Derek about another event that we haven't even fucking like literally just this morning. They're like, Hey, host this event at Cali comfort. I'm like, fuck that hosted at Valley farm market. (laughs) But like, that's what drives us. I mean, that's what drives us to, you know, bring community together and bring other pit masters together and chefs and people that are doing cool shit. And like, it doesn't even have to be in the food business for us. It's just about business and about life, you know, and there are people out there, that are doing amazing things and we want to just hear their story, you know, mm-hmm. and hearing their story, part of it's the struggle. You know, if you don't get to the struggle, that's where people won't jump off the cliff, you know, and part of the struggle, which I remember clearly was when you first jumped off the cliff and you came to us and you were like, Hey, I'm doing Thanksgiving. And I was like, you're fucking nuts. <laughs> Why are you doing Why Thanksgiving? Do you that part of it? <laughs> because, because of the failure, because of the failure and not that you failed, but I want you to talk about, you know, what you learned from that experience and where you are today with Thanksgiving. 
Uh, <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, that plays it up really nice for me. Uh, well, I, I do remember I did these Thanksgiving, you know, holiday meals kind of catering and kind of did them all delivered. So it was like a package Ooh. deal that you can literally buy the entire Thanksgiving meal for a set price. And you had a set menu. And I had a set menu. So it was per person menu or was it all a cart? It was it was basically a package, I believe it was for twelve people. So and it so was it only was for like, twelve people. Yeah. But what if so I had eight it was people? A feast. But well, I don't want to feed eight people. Well, then you, you <laughs> bought a whole package of 12, so you'd have left over 15 days. But I have 15 people, and I don't want to pay for, for uh, well, 24. The, you know what, Sean? This is actually why it, it wasn't the greatest idea in the world, okay? This is this is what pitmasters across the world find out. If you're ever if you're doing well, obviously not across the world for Thanksgiving, but in the nation, it's you realize that you start doing something special on a day that means so much to so many people to be thankful to spend time with family to watch football like we do and you don't want to fuck that up <laughs> no you know you don't want to fuck that up and you know we talked about how much we screwed up multiple people's thanksgiving and it it's a day where you you have to learn how to say no which is you're at a time where you want to say yes it's thanksgiving like i can do that for this order right yeah that's for this order, I can add I can add a salad to this order just because it's one it, salad. You know what? And then- you, it, you ended up. I ended up getting. <laughs> it, it was like down to what I think I served thirteen or fourteen delivered meals that day, which across is, you know, the county, across the county, across the literally county. from Escondido yeah. all the way to Imperial Beach. You were stopping at at the restaurant. We it, were closed, and we opened up the restaurant because we had to put our our uh, our pulled pork and our. Our pork butts it was, and our brisket. It was Friday. it was insane, and then you had everybody, every single client wanted. It's like you were right, something different, a salad added, or this or that. And of course, when your back is against the wall and you need to pay the bills, you say yes, and then you find that yourself you're more frustrated, right? And yes. you're more angry. And you know, we still <laughs> we still delivered it. We still delivered it, and we did it with a smile. But uh, let's just say that was the one and only year that that ever happened. But you also had to be vulnerable just to pull that off. You had to be vulnerable and come to me and ask, hey, dude, I need help. I don't have enough fucking Cambros. Like, can you spare me some Cambros? And, you know, because of that relationship, but because you were willing to ask, I'm like, fuck, dude. Yeah, if you need Cambros, what, you need access to the kitchen? Sure. You know, but you have to develop those relationships. Not only that, but you have to eat your pride, you know, and like, that's a tough thing. I mean, well, I mean, without your kitchen, we wouldn't have got it done because like you were talking about the permit earlier we didn't have our uh rental kitchen or our commissary kitchen after that because i was transitioning away from the farmers markets and things like that because i was clearly not making money and it was it was like you know really bad but i needed a kitchen and so i was like oh man who am i gonna call and i mean i reached out to you and man you were just you were awesome so yes uh thank you for that that was probably the the, the highlight of that day um, was getting to spend a little bit of time with uh, with the team there at Cali Comfort, the people who were there. But um, but no, it was uh, it was a good learning. It was just a, a huge learning moment for me. And and it's funny because at the end of it, even with all the craziness that happened and all the I guess you would say the negativity in it. But at the end of the day, I, I did get rave reviews about the people who had the food. And it was like, <laughs> okay, I mean, at least there's some saving grace that where some people were happy and we made some people have really good Thanksgiving meals, but they don't realize that it wasn't just, um, you know, oh, yeah, they're just going to make some turkeys and we're going to do yeah, some yeah. side dishes. You know, it was a lot, it well, was a lot deeper than that. So. Can we, uh, can we dive into that menu and then you kind of just tell, talk about like how you made some of this stuff? Because I think people, for this Thanksgiving podcast, you're going to really want to know, like, hey, something new or something, you know, one of your recipes that people can yeah. really be like, hey, dude, I'll fucking try that. That sounds like did amazing. You do, did you do a green bean casserole? I did do a green bean casserole. That was so bomb. Yeah. You, we, 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 of course, ordered from him to make his life a little bit yeah. Oh, fuck, that was bomb. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And by, just, ordering thanks it, by ordering it was, we're letting you use our kitchen, so you're going to give us a Thanksgiving. So we're event. just yeah. going to take one of those. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to go ahead and take one of these birds, and we'll uh, see you later. Uh, no, actually, yeah, we actually published um, a Thanksgiving guide this year on our website that you're able to get there at dinnerwithachef.com. And it actually gives us just our, our top favorite recipes and, and gives you kind of a guide. And we actually timelined it out. So with all the craziness that I learned on that day, I actually took all that, put it onto a piece of paper, a nice little PDF guide for people that, I mean, literally it says at eight hours before serve time, do this, seven hours before serve time, do this, so that people feel like they're staying on track. I think the biggest thing um, 
you know, and, and I'll share some recipes, but I think the biggest thing for people to take away when they're trying to do, you know, a, a Thanksgiving or pull off a big Thanksgiving dinner, they get this whole notion that it's like, oh my gosh, I mean, how am I going to be able to do this? And they get freaked out. And I think yeah. the biggest thing is, is to keep your, to kind of keep your cool and not, I mean, really at the end of the day, it's just food. You know, us chefs have a saying, it's just food. Now, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but there's, um, I guess you would say our personal, one, a couple of the personal recipes that we have on there that we love is our sinful mashed potatoes. This is actually a recipe, believe it or not, that I somewhat learned and modified from home economics class when I was in high school. And um, it's it's pretty, it is pretty sinful. It's butter, cream cheese, sour cream, Yukon gold potatoes. It's it's amazing. They're, That's they're right. delicious. Um, and then just really the turkey, people get so freaked out about cooking the turkey and it's really not hard to cook. Yeah. Um, you know, I prefer it brined, but even if you don't brine it, just a proper technique of cooking it. So, um, you know, I'll mention the tip that I give everybody is we, I actually do a turkey. When I do a turkey, I crank the oven up as high as it goes, 450, 500 degrees and I season our bird, you know, salt, pepper, whatever herbs, you know, we like to use Are rosemary brining garlic. Your turkeys? Uh, we prefer to brine them. But, I mean, even if people feel a little intimidated on the brining, which is – brining is pretty easy. But um, then the just the, the technique of actually cooking it. So what we'll do is we'll put in the turkey at high temp for 20 minutes, kind of brown the skin. And then you make a simple triangular shape out of aluminum foil. You cover the breast. Put a digital thermometer that comes out of the oven into the bird's breast, you know, in, in the in the uh, the center of it, and you basically cook it till it's 161. You turn down the oven at you know 350 degrees, cook it till 161, and pull it out and let it rest for an hour, and you have yourself a perfectly cooked bird. It's not hard at all. Um, make sure I would say, make sure your bird is all the way defrosted. Yes, that's another Huge. one. Uh, so some people get so freaked out. They're like, but if I pull it out three or four days ahead of time and I'm like, yes, pull it out yes, three or absolutely. four, you know, so that's another big tip. Um, but like I said, we, we try, we try to make this guide kind of for, I don't want to say for, you know, a beginner cook per se, but just somebody who feels overwhelmed sure. of how to put it all together. Cause I think a lot of people look at recipes and there's great recipes on the internet. Of course, like you were saying, we were talking about. There's a lot of different people that, you know, I mean, you get free recipes, you can get sure. free cookbooks. Uh, but the thing is, is we were seeing that nobody was really putting it together to help you feel like sure. you can follow steps. So we even have a shopping guide that you can print out, take to the store. We have uh, a timeline that's by day as well by the day a shopping of. guide. That's cool. So that's really that's cool. Awesome. So, yeah, I'm looking you, at it right now. That's really cool. Yeah. So you can actually just print it out. And then we have our Tuesday timeline. So it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then it kind of gives you the steps. So that you feel like you can be on track and feel like you're not stressed out. So we we did this for, you know, and there's a lot of people that do cook um, and they cook a lot and they still love this guide because sure. it just gave them an ability to have something all compiled into one. Well, we're a huge fan of checklists. Um, they run our business. They run our catering. They do so many things that allow us to scale our business, to train, um, to train other staff members how to do things properly. Uh, one of the things that I do admire about dinner with a chef is, you know, you're focused on content and you're focused on, you know, putting out a blog and giving information so people can learn more about how to be a better chef, uh, how to start their own chef business. Uh, you're also doing things on LinkedIn, publishing articles. Um, you're utilizing all the different social platforms. You know, each social platform is different. You know, Twitter is different than Instagram is different than LinkedIn. And we highly encourage that each person, no matter what their barbecue brand is or what their chef brand is or what their business is, that they're on all those platforms. And it, it, it gets hard. <laughs> you know, it gets hard even for, you know, someone like me that's I did it my whole literally until last year, until until I brought uh, what are we doing? Uh, we're, get, we're doing DJ music now. Um, but yeah, until I brought Corey on um, and he's really helped, you know, us create multiple different programs for each of those platforms um, because it's the world we live in is back to what you said. You know, the world that we live in, you can find mentors and you can find this information. And once you find it, you want more, you know, and like so now the toughest part is going to be, you know, how do you blog more? 
Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, um, if I can dive into that, um, you know, we've been, we've been, you know, we're not all, I don't think anybody's ever personally perfectly dialed into all the social media, but I think the biggest takeaway is always trying to just connect yeah. the, the way that you can connect to people the most, right. To sure. not only your customers, but, um, to like-minded people or people that you want to learn from. So, um, we're actually really excited about a project we're working on that we've, we've learned that not only the people that are, you know, being serviced by dinner with a chef as a personal chef company, we were looking at, I was getting a lot of phone calls from chefs that I worked for in the past and worked for me in the past as well as worked with them of how do I get into that business? How do I become a personal chef? And there's a few, there's a few kind of training courses out there per se, but I was noticing that the niche is not necessarily geared towards people that are in the industry. Sure. And they're not really like what we've talked about today. They're not really in the mindset of, of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. So, but we're, we're actually launching, uh, the personal chef Academy in March of next year. Good for um, you. Yeah. And it's going to be a full, it's going to be a full blown training program that it's going to be, you know, mostly digital, but it's going to be packed full of, you know, good content, of course, but it's basically going to be from the ground up how to start your sure. business. That's um, great. And not only that, but I actually, I'm actually wanting it to be where there's gaps in it to where it's more personalized for people, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of different chefs who have different, you know, passions and, and niches for certain foods, or they want to do. And the markets are different. And the markets are different. Sure. Exactly. So, uh, you know, somebody in Chicago is going to be very different from Houston, New York, or LA. Right. So we're, we're actually, you know, it's, it's actually tough to try to segment it and try to also be cohesive at the same time. But we're excited about it because we, we really see the need that there's a lot of, chefs particularly that don't know how to i guess you would say go into business for themselves and it's without you know a lot of chefs want to own restaurants right they want to get into the restaurant business but that takes a lot of capital and there's a lot of things that you you go through that and i'm not saying that you know not to do that obviously if that's your dream and that's your passion but this is a could be a segue or a different avenue to say there's another light out there other than sure. the hotel the restaurant because there is a lot of chefs hurting there's a lot of chefs hurting from corporate style restaurants and hotel Absolutely. chains where they're getting underpaid undervalued Absolutely. and overworked right. i mean i've been there well if you so, i mean if you yeah if you get back down to the nuts and bolts i mean we live in a place where the heart of the house the back of the house is suffering so suffering huge. significantly and huge. you know with minimum wage increasing to the way that it is you know the people that are getting rewarded are the people that are tipped employees at least here in california yeah. so the heart of the house it makes it that much harder for us to find ways to, in, to take care of our, our people, <laughs> our people that are oh, yeah, making absolutely. our food, you know, and like having something like that and letting them know that there's other ways. Um, I think that's really, really interesting. Yeah. We have a small team. Um, we have a small team of, of chefs and just a few chefs that we have that, you know, that are on my team right now. Um, they didn't come from a personal chef background. They came from the industry and then they've gotten a taste of it and they're like, I don't ever want to go back because you're yeah. able to be so creative. You're able to shop at Valley Farms and sure. at the places you want to shop at to get the best product. And there is great restaurants and anywhere that you go that are, you know, obviously that are seasonally based and, and getting high end, um, I guess you would say products in, but that's not the norm. That's not yeah. the mainstream. The mainstream is, you know, um, well, here's our account and you have to use it because that's what the hotel chain tells you to use. So you're, you're not even able to be creative in the products that you use and be feeling like you're getting, you know, cooking the food that you want to cook. So, uh, personal chef, not only that, there's instant gratification, you know, sure. when you go to somebody's home and, they love your food and they literally can go up to you and say, this is fantastic. And this was amazing. And, and I love what you did here. Or how did you do this dish? Like this was incredible. So it really is a way for the chef and the client to really, the client's having a different experience and the chef, to be honest, is also having a different experience by, by kind of feeling like there's an instant gratification. So can you clarify something for me yeah. in my pea brain mind? Um, <laughs> what, what makes you a chef? You know, so you hear all these people, right? They come out and they're like, oh, I'm chef this. And it's like, did you go to any school? Did you, like, what What makes somebody be able to say that? Is there any thing? Is there any criteria you have to have? Or can that's you a good, just, great question, Derek. Uh, no, just, seriously. No, that's, a brain, a, no that's a brain buster question. You know, I think because, uh, 
and I'll, I'll go out on a limb and maybe I'm not going to get good responses on this answer, but with culinary schools nowadays, they're, they're less focused on, I guess you would say the technique and the mentality of the chef. And so you get a lot of students coming out of culinary school and they're automatically assuming that they're a chef. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things. It's what, this is one of those and maybe it's like this. I mean, I, can see that a little bit as well, like in the barbecue industry, right? I mean, it's the when, same. It, when it, do you say you're a pit master? Sure. You know, who gives like you as that far, title? As far totally. as I'm concerned, the only pit master is Gene for us. Mm -hmm. You know, like nobody at yeah. Cali Comfort is I a mean, pit even master. if there's a guy next to him and knows what, how to do what he's doing, he's not no. going to be Gene. So right. for me, I think um, as a chef, it, it, it's kind of funny because it's not really a self-proclamation, but it's more of, of a title that you've earned throughout the course of your career. And so... But at the same time, um, and as you can see on my website, actually, as we're looking at it, I have the word chef in quotation marks because it's so widely used in so many different areas that mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like what makes peace. Me personally, what I think what makes a chef is the, the, the servitude and the hospitality behind what you want to do. And sure. I think that, um, you're actually aimed to please. That's my definition. That's what I tell my guys what we stand for, right? We're aiming to please. We're not aiming to necessarily please ourselves, right? Of course, we, we want to enjoy what we're doing and cook the food that, you know, what not knowing what we feel comfortable with, but what we love, our passion, right? But at the same time is we're passionate about serving people. Sure. And I think that's what a true chef, you know, does. I mean, you look at some of the big chefs in the industry and, you know, the Emerald Lagasse's back in the day, the Gordon Ramsay's, and as much as that looks like they come off very pompous, they're all very successful because they have very high standards yes. for their customers. Yes. So they're still putting that customer first. That's and a great so, point. Um, so that's actually a really brain buster question. And I've no. actually been asked that uh, not very many times, but it is, it's, it's, it's hard to tippy toe around that one because, you know, and I it's think a hot, again, it's a hot button. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same Absolutely. thing. It's the same thing in the barbecue industry. I mean, it's, you can't throw around the word pitmaster and, have and not disrespect people that have been doing it for decades. You know, there's a documentary on Netflix called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Mm -hmm. Actually, Ari Siegel from the formerly of the Gulls, he turned me on to that and I, I watched it. I mean, it's just incredible. This sushi restaurant, you know, literally in a subway in Tokyo. And they talk about the process and making sure that these people, I mean, they're spending, I, I forgot what it was, but it was like 10 years just cooking rice. Yeah, like no, you just won't, washing rice, just washing just rice, wa they can't just do, can't washing rice. No, it's insane. I know. But it's like, crazy. you know, but that gets back to the true craft, you know, the true craft and the true passion. And we don't live in a world where somebody, at least not in the United States, is willing to wash rice for 10 years before, you know, they become the, the sushi chef. You know, like I want to do the sexy stuff. I want to be the one, you know, in front of the customers. Well, guess what? It doesn't work that way. And when you get back to something like that, and if you have the process, part of the process is understanding that that hard, it's a long journey, mm -hmm. you know, that long journey. And, you know, not everybody is, everyone wants to be immediately, Hey, I'm a chef. I'm out of culinary school. I'm a chef. Where's my restaurant? My restaurant's successful. I'm well, selling my restaurant. That don't even go to culinary school that are, are saying that they're chefs. There's people sure. that, you know, which <clears throat> could be fine. I mean, some of them could be chefs. I, you know, I don't know, but it's just, it's hard to, you hate to see that word thrown around so much because yeah. I think it really um, it takes away from like what Sean was saying from from the people that have been doing it for so long. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, I've always I've always hated titles. You know. Yeah. No. It's exactly. Like, you know, like, I, oh, who who are you? What are you doing? Are you the owner? Are you the CEO? Are you the president? It's like I'm fucking. I'm a head coach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, I, I I'm I'm you. coaching every single day. I'm trying. I'm but I'm trying to be better myself. Yeah, know? and I've seen a lack of leadership in kitchens too, where because it's such a dictator type of situation sure it actually doesn't encourage i this is what i'm learning in business right business there needs to be leadership leadership is is not just being the boss right it's not managing things managing you manage things you don't manage people you know you have to lead people to victory and i think that in a lot of kitchens i worked at literally my mentor chef jason white was the only leader that i had 
that was a true leader that wanted to push me. He would tell me all the time, you're going to be better than me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you what I know. I'm going to push you. And there's not a lot of, I mean, it's funny when you look at, you know, if anybody out there knows Thomas Keller, kind of a big name, right? Yeah, in the sure. industry. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and he has so many chefs that come from him that open their own restaurant that end up being top 50 in the world. Absolutely. And, does that make him look bad? No, because he's what he's done is he's not he's not about well I don't want them to rise up so they do their own thing and they you know I mean some of them have restaurants down the street from him in Napa Valley that are doing great I mean they're almost competition now but they don't see it as that because the mentor or the person that leader is always going to be kind of just like with Gene and, and Pitmasters you know you can be teaching somebody and then maybe Gene passes on that title to somebody he's maybe mentored or trained mm-hmm. through years. But uh, but I think that it's just like we were talking about, just paying the respects. And, and there is a lot of chefs as well that have that have, I guess you would say, the leers, but they don't have the as well. I mean, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but they almost have lost the title of chef because they've given up, or their passion is burnt out, or sure. you know, or they're they're just somewhere else. But but uh, so that's why I think that those titles are so finicky, and it's sure. you know, it it is kind of a. Uh, you know, it's more title based. I mean, I think that it's a great point, what you, what you brought up and Derek and I, we talk about it frequently. It's, you know, in the hospitality business, we want to attract the top talent, but the the prices that, you know, the, the wages that we can pay, you know, at having one, one unit location, you know, aren't comparable to what you can get working a corporate job. But when you go and you work that corporate job and then you're making, you know, six figures and you're, you're doing things you might not have the leadership that's actually going to allow you to touch and mold and be a part of the process and to use your ideas and, you know, to be involved where it's, you know, Derek and I is like, Hey, that's your department. You run it. Like you let us know and you can actually grow. I mean, you're growing so much. You can see the employees grow. I just had a conversation with one of my guys the other day and I told him, look, I'm not trying to sit here and micromanage you. He asked me a question about how he want, you know, something to, to face up at the store. He's doing some beer. And I said, look, man, what I'm going to let you do is I'm going to let you do it. And if it's something that I really don't like, you know, I'll come back and we'll talk about it. But I want you to take ownership of this and this is going to be yours. So you, how it makes sense to you is, is what I want you to do. And he did it and killed it, you know? Yeah. And it's, would I have done a little bit different? I actually would have, but it makes sense to him. He's proud of it. He's growing. He's understanding. And he might see that, okay, Next time I'm going to do it this way because, you know, but it's his. He takes ownership. And guess what? He just grew 10 times more than he would have if I said, here's how you have to do it. You know? No, yeah, absolutely. It's actually one step further is because not only do you want him to embrace that process, but you want him to take ownership of that process to the point where he establishes a procedure so that he can train somebody else. So it's not reliant on him or her like mm-hmm. that. That's where the true growth is going to happen is where the company becomes better because somebody that you've given power to, to say, Hey, you know, you're in charge of the catering department, you know, help me make a checklist so that you don't have, we don't have to be reliant on you. You know, that's something that Bill Curtis, Absolutely. you know, did for us. And it was very difficult and it's still difficult. And it, to, to this day, we're still improving that process, improving the ordering process online. How do we get into a prep list? How do we interact that prep list for a catering order with the entire barbecue restaurant, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that all the quality remains the same. And, you know, those things don't, ch- but you always have to have that drive. You know, it's never finished, you know, that that's probably yeah. one of the toughest things for us learning in business is, you know, no matter what policies, procedures, or things that we created, like, it's not done. The menu is never done. No, like we have never. to continue evolving. And if that, if you don't love that process, then it's probably not the right thing for you. No. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And when you give ownership to, to your team, the biggest thing that I've seen is for instance, I'll use just a simple example in the restaurant industry, right? If you have your lead cook or maybe even a sous chef come up with a daily special, you know, if you've ever seen a lead cook, do his own special. It might kind of shock him like, okay. And you kind of guide him, right? So he's like, you know what, chef, I'm thinking scallops. I'm thinking, I mean, this is a true story, right? So I remember one of my guys and he was like, you know, I I don't know. Okay. What do you think? I'm like, well, we have some, you know, fresh this, fresh that, you know, what are you thinking? And as they started to progress into it, by the time that the finished product was done and we went and tasted it and it was, it looked great, tasted great. I'm like, it's great special. Scallop special is going on tonight. Do you think that that cook is going to put out a half 
ass scallop dish. No. Absolutely Why? Not. Because it's partly his. Yeah. Right? So taking ownership as well makes them part of the store, part of the business, part They're of more vested than they've been. They're more vested than they've well, ever been. It even goes a step further. It's not only is he proud of that product, but it forces him to probably do things that he never had to do before. He probably always yep. is relying on you as the chef to order enough scallops. Yep. Now he actually has to go and count how many scallops there are. Because if we sell this many, and now it has to get programmed into the POS to make sure that you know the server doesn't order a scallop and tell the customer, hey, we have this amazing dish coming out, but oh, we're 86th. Yeah. You know, so now he's doing things and he's touching different parts of the business that he didn't have to do before. Correct. Hopefully they were dry scallops. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Dry. They were nice. Not, they uh, were very not nice. those uh, injected scallops. Yeah, dude, no. you get these scallops that like look like U tens. Oh, and they're injected, and then all of a sudden you cook them. They look like bay scallops. You know, just these. Really? Like, gross. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Uh, yeah, no bueno. No, we we have our U ten fresh dry scallops here, and it's I mean, there's so a difference. There's absolutely so damn good, so good. Right. So, what kind of uh, books do you recommend? Well, for me, I guess maybe in my line of uh, what I'm doing now, I mean, I'm I'm literally obsessed. One of my favorite books is Entree Leadership by Dave Ramsey. Awesome. Awesome um, podcast also. That's an awesome podcast. I mean, Fantastic I, that, that's, podcast. That, yeah, I listen to yeah, that podcast religiously. Definitely um, top five for me, for sure. I mean, it just because it just gets you to dive in to see what an organization should be run like. And it it's just it really is inspiring. And you. I look at that and I really look at that as kind of a standard for me of where I want my organization to be. Um, another book that I love is Intentional Living by John Maxwell. That's a, it's a really good book. It's just, uh, it kind of opens your mind up into just being intentional. Like we were talking about, you know, intentionally, not only with your customers and your clients, but also with your team and just anybody around you. I mean, you know, just sending out a text message sometimes to somebody to make their day. Um, just brings just brings so much to somebody's life that you can't believe and and I, I I personally just believe that everything starts and ends with leadership. I'm I'm a nut about leadership. Um I, I wanna be a student that's gonna stop learning when I'm in my grave, you know, on leadership and because I think that, you know, being a leader in the community, in your family, with your friends it's not about being over them. It's really about trying to bring out the best in them and help them succeed. Sure. And I mean, I, I, that's what I am loving as well about the heart of this podcast is, um, you know, you guys really trying to take the initiative of trying to help people um, just realize their own potential and also just the mistakes we've all made from the different, you know, guests that you guys have had on here, including myself and just, having that be a, a kind of a guiding light for them to help them along their journey, right? Sure. It's not about just our journey here. It's really about everybody who's listening to this podcast and saying, you know what, what can I get out of this? How can sure. I apply something like this to my life? What are those, you know, maybe do's and don'ts that they talked about that I can take into my own life? So um, I, I just, I'm a nut on, on, you know, just education, I guess you would say reading and, and diving into that. And, um, it just, it's really, it's really blessed my life beyond belief. It's like, I feel like every week I learn more and more. And then I'm like, I don't know. Enough. Did I learn enough? I yeah. Know. And you yeah, just keep pushing yourself into this limit. And, um, yeah, it's just been, it's been awesome. Yeah. I think, um, you know, one of the things for, for Derek and I is exactly what you said is being able to share stories and being able to have people tag us in, you know, the photos where they're, you know, behind the smoke, you know, the whole, the whole premise is not the sexy photo at the end, because we live in a world where everything is, you know, people are trying to portray life that they're not really living. And yes, you know, we, we talk about reverse engineering the actual menu item to the recipe, you know, as a restaurant, it's very important for us to have a sexy photo when it, when that food hits the customer's plate, guess what? It's going to, they're going to take a picture and they're going to put it on Yelp. They're going to put it on Instagram. They're going to snap it. Like those things are important. So I need to know how to make that all the way back to how am I ordering? What am I ordering? How is it going to get garnished? How's it going to get plated? What does the plateware look like? All that stuff is important. Um, but it's also very, very important for us to be a part of that journey and show the shit that happens along the way. Because fuck, there's so many times where you order, you know, plates that are a certain color that you think are going to look great. And then guess what? The plates are too fucking heavy and they cost too much money. And you're like, dude, that was a bad deal. Like now we need to find a better bag. You know, now we need to find a better way to 
put package our catering. All those things have to always be at the top of mind and you have to figure out, well, what is the most important thing that I'm doing today to help our business? And, you know, one of the craziest things is one of the most important things that we do today is this podcast. You know, it's sharing the struggle and, you know, back to what we said with the, the mentors, the people that you have, your wife, you know, the other chefs, the reason why they're mentors is because they're going to be brutally honest and they're going to hold you accountable, mm-hmm. you know, and those are the friends that you need. And those are the people you need in your inner circle because they're going to listen, they're going to encourage, but they're also going to say, Hey, you're full of shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know? and realizing that it's, you want to embrace the grind. You yeah. have to, you have to be able to embrace it. You talk to, I mean, I've talked to multiple people that are, um, you know, successful and they're at their, the end of their time here you know they're 70 80 i think you just learned so many so much from our elders and they they will tell you the best times they had was in that grind when they thought it was the worst you know yeah. and it's like dude like if what i wouldn't do to like get back in there and like do that again it was just so much fun you didn't even realize how much fun you were having so just embrace today embrace it love it own it um if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. It's so cliche, right? But it's so, so true. So true. Um, and it just embraced. I've always said, I find comfort in being uncomfortable. Like I, I push myself to get out of my comfort zone, be uncomfortable and, and do it. That's, that's the only way I know. And I, like I said, I just find the comfort in that and I embrace it. You couldn't have said it better than what I would have said it. I mean, that's really how I feel. And I think that if you're not, uh, if you're not screwing up, you're not living in certain aspects. And so, you know, you feel like you're alive yeah. when you're out there and you're grinding and you're doing it day by day. And it, I, I'm the same way. You know, I, I always look at, you know, what what people think are failures. You know, I, I truly think that you don't fail unless you give up. Because, yeah. I mean, because if you're doing something and you're like, well, you know, because I can look at my farmer's market. And when I did that business or when I started that side of it, um, when I just went out on my own making, you know, I was making good money, you know, in a hotel as an executive chef. And when I stepped out with, with just, and you no had the wings, title and the prestige, the title and it was and the like, prestige you know, you had the and fancy then, jacket and the sexy, you know, like everything, the respect you know? of the kitchen. And whenever people come by, you're the one that's putting on the griller grilling with masters yep. series. Yep. And, and then all you, the glory. you gave up all that, gave up all that, which sounds crazy. Right. But then when you stepped out into it, I mean, really, you know, you get a slap of reality, but at the same time, I don't look at it as a failure because I wouldn't be where I am today without that experience. So, you know, every opportunity that you, you know, just a word of, of you know, word of wisdom for anybody out there that's maybe feeling like they've tried something in the past or they're doing something right now and they feel like they're failing. You're not failing unless you give up your failure or what you're calling your failure is actually an opportunity for you to learn, grow and just continue to push on. So, you know, sure. that's, that's really what, you know, what I'm all about. And, uh, I'm just excited about what's in store for, you know, for, for us and for the projects we're working on and for my team to just continue to push forward and better ourselves and grind it out and, um, and just humble ourselves to people that, that have been there and done it and, and take what they know and then just expand into, uh, to new territory. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, for all of our listeners, we really appreciate when people reach out. And I think that's one of the things that is very difficult to do. And depending on who the person is, I mean, we're, like we said, we're so fortunate to have just these epic people that are doing kick-ass things come on this podcast. And you'd think that Ernie Hahn wouldn't have time, or you'd think that, you know, Scott Kaplan wouldn't have time or, you know, Gene Goykachea. I mean, I can't tell you how many questions Gene Goykachea has answered, you know, for me, for Derek, well, for I fucking wear his phone out <laughs> for amateur. I was just at his house teams. on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, but if you're not willing to ask, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, what's, well, look what's at Austin, the absolute, right? Yeah, Austin. Absolutely. I mean, he, he was like, dude, I was fucking pacing I mean, back and forth, not knowing if I was going to send you guys an email and, and whatever. It's yeah. Like, he, he sends us a, a, a DM on Instagram and like, he was worried, you know, to, to send it out. And I was like, dude, thank God you did, you know, cause what's the worst thing that I can happen? I'm, I'm in a meeting and I can't get back to you. And, you know, I'm going to try my best to absolutely, if I can't answer the question, I'm going to send it to Derek. I'm going to send it to Corey. I'm going to send it to Gene. I mean, I have to rely on our team. I'm going to send it to you. I mean, now you're, you're part of the, you're, you've been part of the tribe, you know, and like, that's how we grow as people is being willing to reach out, 
you know, being willing to interact and whether that's an interaction on Twitter, whether that's on Instagram, whether that's on LinkedIn, you know, we encourage all of our listeners to be on all those platforms and let us know you're listening to the podcast. We'll follow you. We'll follow your journey. And it doesn't matter what business you're in. I mean, that that's the most we're in the most exciting time there is to be in business where we can have people all over the world listening to a couple of fuckheads like me and Derek (laughs) bullshitting and then having somebody that we respect like you come on this podcast and, you know, give us a little insight into your world. Give us an insight on a day like Thanksgiving. That means so much. I mean, we're here. We're gobble gobble. Yeah, it's here. It's fucking here, man. It's a big gobble gobble. Fuck yeah. It's exciting. My uh, my son, my son and I and uh, my wife, we get to uh, enjoy the the Charger game on Thanksgiving. We're gonna tone it tone it back, tone it back a little bit. Is it where is it at? It's in Dallas. Really? You uh, guys are gonna fly out? No. Alvarez is actually rolling. He he's he broke a hundred. They're at one hundred oh, two, hundred and two. Bolt Pride in uh, in uh, Jerry's world. Jerry's world. I don't know if you can fit them all in the um, in, 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 We should ask uh, if Jerry Jones is willing to put 100 Bolt Pride people in his helicopter. <laughs> right. Run that by Jim Trotter. See if that's going to work out. Yeah. No, but thank you so much for coming out. We definitely appreciate it. Dinner man. with a Chef. That's the um, yeah, social handle. Um, yep. Yeah, reach out. Ask, uh, ask questions. Be curious. Uh, get involved. And uh, jump off the cliff. The, the water's... The water's a little rocky, but it's warm. It's a little it's bit warmer fun. than you think. <laughs> it's a little is. bit warmer than you think. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a true honor to be here with you guys. So um, this was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our uh, our listeners. Please uh, subscribe. Um, and and send us, us your, uh, your and, turkey photos. Oh, yeah. I'd I love some barbecue uh, smoke smoke turkey war stories. Send them all to us, guys. Yeah, we'd, we'd love, to, love to see it. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.